And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that we, he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is God's word. So we've been playing a game of connect the dots this month. You guys remember doing that as kids, like... Got to connect one point to the next point. That's what we're doing this month, starting with the question, who is God? We talked about last week. That's our starting point. Who is this God who is the creator over all things in the universe, right? And we build upon that answer. And so last week we talked about uh, four truths about who God is. And we can put them back up on the screen there. We said that God is great. God is glorious, God is good, and God is gracious. And each one of those truths about God has a statement about us wrapped up in it. Something that frees us to live a certain way. And we have magnets at each of these tables here that you guys can take if you don't have them already or if yours has lost its magnetism and fallen off the fridge or whatever the case may be. Grab one of these magnets and stick it on your fridge at home and talk about it with your kids. When your kids go to get milk for their cereal in the morning and they see that, you can talk about it with them. When you are making dinner in the evening, you will see that and you will look back on the rest of your day and go like, oh yeah, I did not live as if God were in control today. God is great, so I don't have to be in control, right? God is glorious, so I don't have to fear other people. God is good, so I don't have to look anywhere else to be satisfied. And God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself to anyone. These truths about who God is free us to be who he's also created us to be. And we're going to explore that more as we continue to connect the dots. Starting with who is God, we will end with how do we live our lives. But in between there, in between there are some really important questions that still need to be answered. Who is God? And this week, what has God done? And we've talked about this before as a church, but everything we do flows out of everything we are. And in our culture, it's really easy to get that backwards, that we define who we are by what we do. Right? And so the question you ask someone when you first meet them is, what do you do? And you automatically make up this thing about them in your head. As Anthony said, we have a whole lot of teachers in this church. And, like, you, you think you kind of know the culture of this church because we have so many teachers. It, it starts to shape who we are. No, 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 that's something you guys do. It's 
not who you are. But what you do flows out of who you are, and it's the same for God, too. Who God is forms and shapes and defines what he has done, is doing, and will do. And everything about what God has done, is doing, and will do points us back to the character and the nature of who God is. And so if you want to know and experience who God is even more, you look at what he's done. You look at what he's doing, and you look forward to what he will do. And in everything that God does, there's always both a power and a purpose. And even that flows out of these truths about who God is. It's because God is great and glorious that everything he does has power and might behind it. But it's also because God is good and gracious that he always has a purpose for what he's doing too. And I just want to take a moment, as we did last week, and stop and reflect on the power and the purpose of what God is doing in this world. Because we did just take a moment and we reflected on some of the things the enemy's doing or some of the things that us, humanity and our flesh and in our sin and our rebellion against this God are doing. But let's take a moment now and remind ourselves that God not only has done something, but he is doing something even presently in the midst of a broken world. And he will one day complete his work. So we're going to stop, we're going to pause, we're going to remember the power of God. We just talked about the power of sin and darkness. What about the power of God? This is why we share evidences of God's grace at work in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. And so it's your turn to talk. What, What has God done this week? In all of those things, what we heard is the power of God at work, right? We heard about the purpose of God at work, but sometimes it's easy to see the power of God on display, and sometimes it's a little more difficult to understand what the purpose of it really is underneath all that, right? But in all things, there has to be a power and a purpose. And I think that in everything God does, we see both the power of God's work. I missed that nail three times. It's because Matt Boyd's sitting right there, and it's making me nervous. I'm like, he's watching my form. This is terrible. But there's also a purpose, right? The purpose of driving that nail through these two pieces of wood is to join them together. But there was a power that was able to drive that nail through as well. And if you took away the purpose, you just had the power of that hammer, and give it to someone like me, it would be a very dangerous thing, right? If you had the purpose but no power behind it, what are you left with? And you see, like, these both need to work together. There's... Power and purpose in everything God does. Because God is a great and glorious God, there's power in everything he does. Because he is a good and gracious God, he has a purpose for it too. And I think, I think this is probably true for most of us. I know it is for me. 
is that oftentimes I can understand maybe a little bit of the power of God, but I start defining and shaping his purpose a little differently. I start basing that off of my life and my experiences. I'm going at question number four with how do I live and who do I want to be? And I start shaping his purpose backwards. But we look at who God is and we start to understand the purpose behind everything he does. What are the power and the purposes of what God has done? Specifically in Jesus. That's how we answer this second question. Not just what has God done in general, but for us, if we want to get to that third question and start defining who are we, specifically our identity has come from what God has done through Jesus. And so Anthony read for us this morning from Ephesians chapter 2, and if you were with us not that long ago, you're like, man, we already went through a whole study of Ephesians. Why are we back there again? Uh, Don't worry, we have other scripture for you today as well. But what a beautiful, beautiful section of scripture, a a part of a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus to remind them the power that was once over them and defined what their identity was and with a much greater power that brought them out of that and reshaped and redefined them now. And so look through that again with me. We're just going to look at the first few verses in Ephesians 2. He says, you were what? Chapter 2, verse 1, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That's the power that sin, rebellion against God, the giver of life, that's the power that that rebellion has brought over you and I and every person on the face of this earth throughout history. Death. That's a great power. Can any of you figure out how to stop time and keep yourself from getting old and dying? No one throughout history has been able to do it, right? Every single person falls short of that power. The power of death is over all of us. And there's nothing we could do. And it goes on. It gets even more dire from there. Not only are we dead in our sins, but listen, we were following the course of this world. It's like we were slaves marching behind the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. Talk about, we're we're looking at power, right? Paul is laying out that there are other powers in this world. There are powers in this universe. There are powers at work in creation. It's not just It's not just that we have done this ourselves, although that's true. We have our our own personal sin that we are responsible for. We also recognize that there are demonic forces and powers at work in this world. And so you fall powerless to your own wants and desires, but you also recognize you're a part of a system of sin. You are part of A world that has powers at work that are beyond our ability to overcome. Do you ever stop and think about that? Do you ever like take a moment to stop and look at the things that happened this week, for example? 
or maybe just the things that happened in your home this morning while you're trying to get ready and get the family out the door. Or the things that went through your head last night that you were thinking about. And do you stop and think about, like, maybe there's some power at work here. This is what Paul describes. Not only dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, you were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In the very beginning of the story, it was the first man and the first woman who made this choice to rebel against God and did not trust him, but they were also being influenced, weren't they? That serpent that came in. And remember, they were supposed to have power, dominion over the beasts, over the animals, over the other creatures, to show and display what God is like as representatives. And now here's, here's a creature they should have had power over. Coming and influencing them, speaking lies to them, twisting the truth. And they gave up that power. They handed it over to the beast. And now we all live in a world where there is a, a power at work, a dark demonic force at work, a power that is beast-like that causes humans, made in the image of God, we are supposed to be this unique creation to display what he's like, it causes us to start acting like beasts, doing things like mass shootings, doing things like hating the person who just cut you off on the freeway and thinking of evil things you wanna to do to that person, right? And we start behaving like the beast that deceived us. We're following after that. We've given over our power. This is a, the spirit, he says, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. All of us once lived in this. Not one of you here is exempt from this. I am not exempt from this. Nobody you know, the most saintly person you know, your great aunt, Matilda, whatever her name was, who baked the most amazing pies and was always so sweet, is not exempt from this. We were, the end of verse 3, by nature. This was your identity. Listen to this. This is what he's saying. Who, who you were. Your identity. Because of all that power that he just listed. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That was our identity. That was who we were. That was the power that was over us. That was what we walked in. That was what we were doomed to was death. When we talk about the, the power and the purpose of what God has done, we have to first recognize there is a great force of power at work over our lives. A great force and power called sin and Satan and the systems of this world. And that you and I, we gave up our power 
we are completely powerless to overcome it. Just sit in that for a second. Verse four, but God, but God. All right, let's talk about power, right? Let's talk about the greatness and the glory of the all-powerful God who created all things throughout the entire universe and steps in, enters into this story on your behalf. This is the power over you. You were dead. You were following after the course of the powers of this world, the demonic forces. You had no power out of it, but God does. But God enters the scene. Verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, he, what did he do? He made us what? Alive. You were dead, you are now alive. That's power. Jesus enters the tomb, he comes back out. That's power. Like, do you think that moment, that night, Friday, on the cross, look at the power of that. The son of God has been killed and crucified, right? That's power. He's being buried, put in the tomb. That is power. The enemy's probably thinking, I have won, I'm victorious. But there's a greater power coming. There's a greater power about to be put on display. Like the horrific, terrible scene of the cross is what people saw. Think about this. Like when we see stuff, like what happened this week, when we see stuff, like what's going wrong in your life right now, it, it, it's showy, isn't it? It's on display. It's big. That's what the cross was. It was by the highways and byways where everyone's passing by, the Roman Empire put people on the cross there to show everyone else, to be an example you do not want to mess with us. This was showy. And the biggest spectacle of all was when Jesus was put on it and he was stripped completely naked and he was mocked. When we go through life, we see that stuff. We see the power of this world and it's on full display. And we have a tendency to think that that has more power, don't we? Three days later, Jesus quietly gets up and walks out of that tomb. There's no blinding, flashing light over the whole world. What happened is some women who that culture wouldn't have even respected or accepted their testimony showed up to the grave and saw it was gone. That's what they saw. They saw nothing. But the power, the power to raise a dead man to life, the power to take that body and breathe breath into it again and have it stand up and walk out of that tomb. The power for that body to rise and ascend into the heavens to sit with his father and to rule as king over all things, dead or alive. That's power. Whatever is going on in your life right now, you listen, if you're like me, you're fixating on everything going wrong, right? 
and you see, I don't know what to do about that. That's powerful. I, don't, I can't do anything about this. God, what is going on? Remember, remember that God is at work, that his power is so much greater. And you may not see it quite the same way, but it will present itself one day finally and fully. And no doubt he is at work and he is way more powerful than the darkness of this world. But God, he has made what has been dead alive. Let's continue in Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses, but he made us alive together with Christ, in verse 5. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now listen, we're starting to get into our identity here now. What was our identity before? We were children of wrath. We were dead. Now... The power of God has come in, has conquered the power of sin and death. And all of a sudden, we're starting to get told something different about us, right? No, no, you have been made alive. By grace, you have been saved. And not only that, not only are you no longer dead, not only are you saved, but you have been raised up with Christ. You've been seated with him in the heavenly places. You received, he writes elsewhere, an inheritance that is Jesus's. Jesus, the firstborn son of God, if you know in that culture, the firstborn son gets the full inheritance of the father. Jesus gets the inheritance and we get to go right along with him. We receive this inheritance too because not only were we once children of wrath who have been made alive, but we have also been made children of this God. He has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've been given a new identity. There's power there. And this is like, you can do a full stop right here. And this is what I did for most of my Christian life. And what I think, what I think is one of the main pervasive problems in the church today is we, we intellectually check out right there. We do a full stop and we go, look at that power. God loves me so much. Man, he came in and he saved me and he's made me his child and he's just gonna keep on lavishing power and power on me, right? Like he's, he's raised me up and seated me with Jesus. I, I can ask for anything. He's gonna give it to me. Right? Aren't we told that somewhere, I think? I heard someone say that once. But remember, there is a purpose for the power that God has worked in your lives. Don't stop. Keep reading. Verse 7, so that, all right, that's an indicator in our language that there's, there's going to be a reason behind this. There's a purpose behind this. He has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that you can have your best life now. Is that what it says? That one always gets a good laugh. I don't, 
feel, I'm starting to feel bad. I'm going to write Mr. Osteen a letter of apology. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of whose grace? Of his grace and kindness. What's the purpose? For you to live a comfortable life? For you to get off scot-free? For your rebellion against God? For you to get a better job? For things to go better right now for you? For you to live out your wildest dreams, desires? For you to be a world changer? Like these are all things our culture is telling us, right? Things that I listen to sometimes. No, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Yeah, he, he walked out quietly out of the tomb that morning, but do you know he's coming back? There will be a full display of his power, and the purpose of it is to show all of creation who the king is. This is the purpose. Don't get lost in, God, what's your purpose and plan for me individually? Because I know in 2019, what you're going to do with Chris Preby is a big deal in all the span of time in history. His purpose is so much bigger and beyond that, right? It's to put his power, his glory, his greatness, his goodness, his graciousness on full display for all of creation to see. but you still get a part in it. And that, maybe this morning, is the most amazing thing we will see. That this great, powerful, glorious God who has saved you and brought you out of death into life, has given you a new identity as his child, has done it for his glory so that all of creation would know he also invites you to come and be a part of this story. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your works. Don't start backwards. What do I do? Who am I? What is God? No, no, no. It's not a result of your works. Who is God? What has he done? It's his works. So that none of us could boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, again, that's another indicator in our language. There's a reason here, right? New identity. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's his work. His power has given you this new identity for what purpose? Someone read that to me, verse 10. For what? Good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that he, he puts that right on the heels of, it's not about your works. You didn't, you didn't do this, you can't boast. It's not about your works, but now you are his workmanship. And you are created for works. You do have a purpose, but the power comes from him. He has created the good works for you to walk in. You once, remember that language he used earlier? You once walked in disobedience. You once followed after the course of this world. And now, complete reversal. 
you are given a new identity for what purpose? To walk in the course of Jesus. To walk in the good works God has powerfully prepared beforehand. So yes, you do have a purpose. But what is your ultimate purpose? It is in light of the grand purpose of the gospel, the grand purpose of God's power on display, the grand purpose to showcase his beauty and his power to all of creation, right? If you're still not sure, let's go to Colossians 1. We didn't preach through the book of Colossians, so this will be fresh, okay? This is the same author, Paul. He wrote to a church in Ephesus, he wrote to many other churches. This is written to a church, to the Colossians. Chapter 1, we're going to read verses 15 through 22. I want you to listen for the power of Jesus here. And then I want us to look for the purpose of Jesus' power. Verse 15, he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. That's pretty powerful, right? Can you guys do that? Like, can anybody here do that? I could barely put a nail through two pieces of wood. A little self-deprecation always gets a good laugh too. Joel Osteen, self-deprecation. All right, I know how to do it. None of us can do that. That's power. Listen to the rest of that sentence. The end of verse 16. All things were created through him and for what purpose? For him. It's not about you. It's not about me. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We're getting back to that power here. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Remember, this is that power on display from death to life. He was the first one to walk out of that tomb. Catch that, the first one. We get to follow after the course of Jesus. For in him all the fullness of God, this is verse 19, was pleased to dwell more power, huh? The fullness of God dwelling in Jesus. Walking from death to life. What was the purpose we saw? It was for him, right? But remember, oh, how good God is that we get a part to play in this story. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 21, and you, your part, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil things. All right, we know this is the same author. Listen to the similarity in that language. You were once dead in your sins and trespasses. You were once following the course of this world. You were once a child of wrath. He says here, you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And now he is reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. 
Missio, you have been given a new identity. You have a part in this beautiful story full of power and purpose. God's amazing power to restore and reconcile all things to himself. His purpose to bring restoration to all, all the universe. You and I, we get to walk in that story. Verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 20. Through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's his purpose. It's cosmic. It's beyond what he's doing this week in your life. It's so much bigger than Missio. It's so much bigger than Phoenix. It's so much bigger than the U.S. It's so much bigger than 2019. It spans all of creation throughout the entire universe, throughout all of time, space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Cosmic purpose of bringing restoration between the creator and the created things, the way it was meant to be, that union that oneness between the one who created all things and the created things. The power of sin and darkness that came and broke that bond and separated us. God is so much more powerful than that. And he is at work to bring restoration. That's the purpose. And if you could do like a bullet point under that. If you could take like, here's God's purpose, reconciling all things on earth or in heaven. Cosmic scope. Like scroll down. Bullet point way underneath that, and you're part of it. He's reconciled you too. He's brought you out of death into life. Why? Zoom back out, bigger picture. Why am I under this bullet point? Oh, that's right. The purpose is the reconciliation of all things so that God would get glory in all of creation. That's what my life is for. That's why I've been saved. That's why I'm called to now follow in the patterns of Jesus instead of the patterns of this world. That's why God has shown his power in my life. That's why we share with one another how God has been powerfully at work in this past week. That's why I love my family. That's why I do my best at work. That's why anything you do, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, Paul says, you do to the glory of the Lord because you have been saved for a purpose. You haven't just been saved for saving's sake. You haven't just been saved because God saw something pretty awesome in you. You thought, yeah, you know, I'm gonna make sure that they're all right. God's mighty power has come over you and brought you into life because he's working to reconcile all things to himself. And he has called you to come be a part of that. He's allowing you, he's allowing you to take part in that with some of his power so that you would live a life of purpose showing people what this God is like. Think about that. You don't do this in your own power. What was your power before? You were dead. You had none. But God makes you alive and not only that, he gives you the power of his spirit who raised Jesus from the grave so that you can live in his purpose. This flows into these next couple questions. 
Each question has to be there as a foundation before we get to the next one. Who are we? It's found all in the power and purpose of what Jesus has done, not in anything we have done. And so next week we get to dive into that deeper and we get to go, no, 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 but really, like, what does that mean we are now? Because Jesus has made us alive, because God has saved us, because he's put a purpose on our lives to glorify him, who does that say we are? And now how do we actually live that out? And as we continue examining that, as we continue looking through that over the next few weeks, I want to encourage all of us, I want to challenge all of us to really, 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 really dive deeply into prayer and communion with God, asking these questions. God, if this is your power and your purpose at work in my life, what does that mean for me? And not just me individually or my family or my church, but what does that mean for all of your people? And even specifically in this day and age, in 2019 in Phoenix. Let's be asking that question, all right? We can't just give you all the answers up here in 40 minutes. We don't have them. You get to go to this God who has been at work powerfully throughout the history of the world and ask him because he has reconciled you to himself. You are brought near to him in Jesus. Is that good news? Pray with me that we would live in light of that good news, okay? Father, we ask that you would give us the power of your spirit to turn away from following after the course of this world, that we would walk in your ways, that we would walk in the good works you've prepared for us to walk in, that we would be little representatives of you, Father, of your son, Jesus, empowered by your spirit, sent as ambassadors into this world for your purpose, for your glory, for your namesake. God, we ask that you would forgive us right now, each of us. You know we're all guilty of this. Forgive us for the times that we are doing things for our purposes or for our glory or for our name. God, because we want people to see our power. How foolish. God, help us to repent from that, to turn away from that course, to follow after you. And we know we can only do that in your power. So spirit, fill us right now. God, send your spirit upon Missio that we would be a people who are walking after you, who are walking in the works you've called us to, who are doing that in a way where we are showing and telling the world and loving them so that they might know your power and your purpose at work in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name.